0: Live from Cape Town, this is the Voice of the Cape. The Voice of the Cape.
1: Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Just after 6 o'clock, and the Voice of the Cape, shukran so much for joining us. We really appreciate you choosing us as a frequency of choice, of course, on 91.3 in the greater Cape Town area, uh, 95.8, 90.7, and 90.9, as well as audio streaming on vocfm.co.za. So sending your SMSs, and as we receive them, on our line 47913. Uh, once again, I'd like to say that we are dealing with a backlog of questions So please note, we do read them as they come through um, Sometimes you repeat them with the following week But we will read them and just um, acknowledge them as well So shukran so much for your patience So from uh, a few weeks' questions The first one is, uh, we're going to deal with But let's uh, first greet uh, Sheikh Ibrahim Was as to you, Sheikh
0: Wa salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh And to all our honourable listeners out
1: there Jazakallah khair uh, once again mm-hmm. for your time, Sheikh And let's get to it, the first Question: salam, I want to know what we as a family can do My sister's husband uses drugs, drinks hamruh, abuses, don't work She has a good job, she cares for two children
0: In this uh, situation of course the key thing is What does your sister want out of all of this? I mean she's in the relationship with an abusive husband A husband that is taking drugs And that is doing all these wrong things And she's got children that is exposed to all of this so I think the first step is obviously not uh, asking what can you do, but first of all, uh, ask the question, what does your sister want to do about it? Uh, it's very unfortunate that sometimes we find women, they are in these abusive relationships, but yet they uh, seem to just uh, stick it out and they, they don't do anything about it. Or they, for the sake of the children, whatever the reason may be, they don't really want to uh, come forward and do something about it. Because at the end of the day, no one else will be able to help her unless she once Help unless she wants the assistance from the sisters and whoever else cares for her. Uh, of course, uh, if if you can first uh, sort of speak to her and she she agrees that something needs to be done, then obviously uh, you need to get uh, help. You know, as a family, uh, drug abuse, as we know, is something that is really destroying our communities. And there are many uh, uh, institutes that can obviously assist in this regard. So they first of all they need professional help to deal with the drug problem, to deal with the drinking. Problem, Problem and all of that And then also they need uh, an Islamic Counselor, somebody that can speak to them uh, Especially to the husband And explain to him that you know this is not a life uh, To to be leading as a Muslim And uh, obviously the children Being exposed to all these elements and stuff Like that, Um, so I think the first Step would be to to convince your sister And if she agrees then to get some Professional help for them and then uh, The third step would be obviously to get An Islamic counselor to speak to them uh, Both of them of course and if the wife in this instance feels that, look, she had enough and uh, now that it has come to the fore, she needs to sort of start over or she needs to go for a fasakh, then so be it. So be it, Uh, obviously she can uh, apply for a fasakh And uh, she can obviously then uh, see what course that takes And the judiciary will obviously have to look at the circumstances And I I, I suppose in this case where there is abuse, where there is drugs and all these things And uh, there is good grounds for a fasakh if she wanted to go that route Okay uh, But it is a procedure Obviously that she That she has to follow And uh, We hope inshallah That she will be able To sort out her life In this way And things will, will Become better in, in her married life And with the children Inshallah
1: Amen I inshallah um, The next question Is something similar To a question That we've received In the past few weeks One of our first questions For the show So I'm going to relate To both of it Salam, I'm 63 years old Can I go for Umrah Without a mahram Being for Hajj ready and then of course it, it does kind of not latch on but it's similar to the next question which is Sheikh can a woman go on Umrah alone um, if it's her fourth time
0: Sheikh? Yeah, rahim with regards to travelling in general there is like clear sort of, there are clear hadith on this issue and the scholars uh, uh, kind of concur and agree that a woman should not be travelling alone if it is more than the distance that is allowed for her to join or to shorten prayer She should uh, be accompanied By a husband or by a family member that is A mahram and this is of course all to Protect uh, the woman as such and to to Keep her safe and there are many Many ahadith on this issue and that's why The ulama have all sort of agreed on this Point Uh, they don't really have A difference of opinion as far as the Necessity of a mahram is concerned Although there is some some difference Of opinion with regards to what the distance Is and so on of qasr and jam And what the distance of travelling is Um, uh, One such ahadith for example, just to quote one is where the Prophet ﷺ clearly states, That a woman should not be traveling for more than three days, even if it is that she's performing Hajj, except with a husband or with an unmarriageable kin of hers, a mahram. Uh, so this hadith, Nabi ﷺ, is quite emphatic on this, he's quite uh, clear on this. Uh, and so the uh, only exception to this is really that uh, two things. Number one, Imam Shafi'i, rahmatullah he gives a dispensation that if it's a woman's first time that she is going for the obligation of hajj. And here, obviously, interestingly, for hajj and for umrah, if it is your first time, let's say you're not going for hajj, but it's the first time you're going for umrah. According to Imam Shafi'i, the umrah is just as obligatory as the hajj. Both are compulsory. So if it is is your first time, whether it be Hajj or whether it be Umrah, then according to Imam Shafi'i's ijtihad or his own reasoning, uh, you are allowed to travel alone, right, without a mahram, uh, as long as you are in the company of other women that will be able to support you and help you, then that is fine. But this goes only for the Fard Hajj and for the Fard Umrah, okay? Anything beyond that, she will have to go with uh, a mahram. So, in both cases of both these questions, which are similar, the first questioner asked that she's gone on Hajj already, but now she wants to go for Umrah. So, obviously, when she went for Hajj, I would take it that she did an Umrah also at the same time, because that is normally what happens. You go for Hajj and you do an Umrah as well. So, if that was the case, then this would be considered a Sunnah Umrah, in which case uh, she needs a mahram. And if, on the other hand, uh, the second question, which is related to it, it, says it's already the person's fourth Umrah, so obviously it is a Sunnah Umrah. So, in both these cases, the woman clearly needs a mahram to travel with her, and, like I said, the hikmah is uh, for her own protection for her own for to assist her to support her, and stuff like that and uh, travelling can become difficult, it can become strenuous, and you sometimes need somebody to run around and to do things, etc and most probably it 's much more, much more suitable for a strong stronger person physically to to do these things and that is why uh, the Sharia has laid down these uh, fundamental rules. Of course uh, there are some other exceptions to to this general rule And that is also if a uh, human's life is in danger for example And she needs to travel in order to save herself Then of course that is fine She can travel in order to survive Even if it is without a mahram Because the sanctity of life The sanctity of her own dignity and honor and all of that It takes precedence over this particular detail of the sharia And this is something we need to always take into consideration There are objectives of the sharia or maqasid as it is called in the in the um, framework of the sharia maqasid objectives of the sharia that needs to be upheld and one of it is the sanctity of life so if a woman's life is in danger and she needs to travel even if it is beyond the uh, distance of qasr then she is able to do that in order to save herself in order to protect herself that will be permissible in that particular Circumstance.
1: Sheikh. next question is: Sheikh, can any dua be recited in place of Qunut for Fajr Salah?
0: Yeah, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. It is, of course, sunnah to recite the kunut uh, during the Fajr Salah, uh, according to Imam Shafi'i's Madhab. Uh, it is not a fart, it is not compulsory. So if a person leaves it out even deliberately, his Salah will still be correct. Because it is not of the arkan of the salah as such. Although Imam Shafi'i says that if a person leaves out the kunut, then it is sunnah for that person to perform what is known as sujood as sahwi which is the uh, prostration of forgetfulness. It is sunnah to do that. But let's say even worst case scenario, the person didn't make kunut and he also didn't make sujood al-sahwi. He also didn't prostrate for forgetfulness. In that case, his salah will still be correct. Because this whole act of reciting uh, the dua after the second raka'ah after the uh, coming up from the ruku of the second raka'ah, it's sunnah. It's not a compulsory act of the salah. And in terms of the question, yes, of course, any dua can be recited. There's no specific uh, indication of any dua that has to be done. Although it is recommended that we try to at least learn some part of the prophetic prescription of the dua that has been given to us by our Prophet والسلام, and the well-known du'a Allah it's, it's a well-known du'a it's obviously better to recite that du'a in place of anything else because that is the actual du'a which was taught to us by the Prophet sallam, to be recited during the qunut but let's say a person is not able to then you can recite any other du'a uh, whatever is comfortable and easy for you and if you wanted to shorten the normal qunut uh, du'a then you can do that as well in fact the scholars go so far to say if you just to utter the first line of this dua man hadait. Then that would give you the reward of reciting the sunnah dua Which was given by the Prophet So it's fairly an easy matter It is nothing to, to really worry about You are allowed to make any other dua uh, If you do not uh, memorize the, uh, the actual dua that was prescribed By the Prophet
1: <laughs> Shukran so much uh, to Sheikh Ibrahim was Let's just take a short break We'll be back with more of your questions just after this My radio station your radio station our radio station 91.3 FM and 95.8 FM stereo Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa welcome back to VSC 91.3 I'm Khawa Sanman and answering your questions is Sheikh Ibrahim Was the resident imam at the Yusufiya Masjid Next question that we received as alaykum Can you make a du'a um Salah on a Friday no, Can you make duha Salah on a Friday After 12 Shukran
0: Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim The Salat al Is one of the recommended Salahs to be made uh, On a daily basis It is something that has been uh, Prescribed by the Prophet sallam, As a form of ibadah That can be done At a specific time of the day uh, And particularly the time That is given for the Salah of duha is uh, from after sunrise and not immediately after sunrise a few minutes after sunrise uh, up until the time of zawal and zawal as we know is when the sun has reached its uh, zenith in the middle of the sky just before dhuhr a person is allowed to make duha salah and of course the minimal rak'ahs for Salatul duha is 2 rak'ahs and the maximum is 8 The Prophet had made eight at one occasion To show that that is the amount that can possibly Be be made, so anything in between Either two or four or six or eight uh, uh, Can be made This is all uh, permissible and sunnah And so on a Friday, there's no Specific uh, exception on a Friday uh, For Salatul duha. if it is Within that time frame where it is Between the time of Sunrise and Zawal, then it Would be permissible for the person Still to make Salatul duha. There is no exception of a Friday or any other day for this rule uh, of course uh, the only other issue that I perhaps could take into consideration here is that if you come into the masjid and for example the Imam is already busy with his uh, talk or his translation of the talk and obviously uh, it would not be recommended for you to make extra salat in this time but rather to try and listen to what the Imam has got to say okay and rather leave the duha for that moment if it is that you didn't make it before the Imam started However, should you make it while the imam is even giving his English talk or is giving his his lecture, then fine, there's nothing wrong, although I think it's uh, unsuitable to do that. Because of uh, the importance of listening to the Imam's uh, nasiha that he gives on a Friday. Of course, just to give a general kind of encouragement, I mean, it's a good, good this question come, comes up because it creates an opportunity for us to at least encourage people to do the salah. Uh, there's a hadith where Abu Darda, one of the great companions, he says, and I like the way the Sahabi actually describes this. He says that my most beloved, he calls the Prophet Habibi, you know, the one that is most dear to me, the most beloved to me. And this shows the close relationship that the Sahaba had and the emotional attachment that they had with the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So he says my most beloved, the one that I love that I love utmost, my Habib, you know, he gave me advice to do three things. And he says furthermore, and I will never leave off these three things as long as I live. Because of the advice coming from my beloved I will never leave it off as long as I live And these three, three things are Number one uh, He advised me to fast for three days every month Okay, sunnah fast And of course this is known as the white days or Because it's the time when the moon is at its fullest When it's actually full moon And to estimate it from each uh, Islamic month It would be the 13th, the 14th and the 15th of each Islamic month You will find that the moon is is full And it is sunnah to fast during these days That is the first of the three things which the Prophet ﷺ recommended The second one is the Prophet ﷺ recommended me to make Salatul Duha. And that is the question that we are addressing Salatul Duha, like I said, is that sunnah salah That can be performed any time from after sunrise up until Zawal. The minimal is two raka'as and the maximum is eight raka'as, It is highly recommended. And uh, the third one he says that the Prophet ﷺ actually advised me was is to always make salatul witr before I go to bed, before I sleep. I should try to end my day with salat al witr. So, of course, these are obviously very good recommendations and Sunnah practices which the Prophet ﷺ has encouraged us to do. And so, uh, um, I thank uh, this questioner for reminding us about salatul duha. And if we are able to make it. Uh, I know most of us work, but if you have a free moment during lunchtime or uh, before lunchtime or break time, tea time, and you are able to just take one or two minutes off and quickly make two rak'as, of course the reward for that is great in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala.
1: Ashukran, Sheikh. And talking about wetter, I think that's it. Uh, the next question is about <coughs> salaam, Sheikh. Please tell me whether I am allowed to do wetter. Uh, after Isha, if I'm not sure whether I will be getting up for tahajjud, often depends on how I feel physically at that time or how many hours of sleep I have, Sugar kathir. Uh,
0: yeah, of course you are allowed uh, to make witr immediately after your Isha Salah. Uh, in fact, that would be the recommended thing to do if you are not sure whether you are able to stand up for tahajjud before fajr. Okay, so if you know you are tired or you know you most probably will wake up around about fajr time and not before that... Then and it is actually sunnah for you to immediately make your witr after your fart of Isha And this is directly taken from the words of the Prophet Sallallahu Where Jabir ibn Abdillah عنه, He reports this hadith and he says That the Prophet Sallallahu said the following He said A person who fears That he will not be able to make his witter At the end of the night He should rather perform it at the beginning of the night And if a person has high hopes and he knows most likely he will be able to stand up and make a salah later on, before the Adhan of Fajr, Sunnah Salahs, then it is best for him to leave the witter for the end of the night and not to do it at the beginning of the night. And the salah that is made at the end of the night, meaning the time period just before Fajr, such a salah is Mashhuda, it means it is witnessed. By Allah Ta'ala, it is witnessed, especially by the malaika, a special note is taken of any salah that is performed right before the Adhan or Fajr. So here we find that the Prophet Sallallahu made it very clear, if you fear that you won't be able to make it at the end of, of, of the night, then of course you should do it or you should try to do it at least uh, immediately after. The, the sunnah of Aisha, And I think just uh, another question that could come up from here, maybe it's not asked here directly, but it, it could be in some people's minds. So, what if I made my, my Isha Salah and I thought now that I won't be able to get up to make the Hajjut, hmm. so I made my Witr. Okay? But then the event, I did actually get up. So, can I perform the Hajjut number one? And number two, can I make my Witr again or what should I do? Okay, and first of all, the first question is, you can make tahajjud, of course, even if your intention wasn't to make, because uh, the fact that you are up and you want to make use of that time, nothing would stop you from that. So you are allowed to make the tahajjud, but in this case, since you have already performed your witr salah, you are not allowed to repeat the witr salah a second time. Okay, And this is also described by the Prophet ﷺ himself, a hadith that is reported by a companion by the name of Talq ibn Ali. He says that I heard the Prophet ﷺ say, "La wit, fi laylatin." There shall not be two witters in one night. Right, We cannot perform two witters in one night. And this hadith is authentic, narrated by Imam Ahmad, Abu Dawood, Ibn Tirmidhi, Ibn Majah and so on. And Ibn Hibban, it's, it's narrated by many scholars. And so it's an authentic hadith that proves that a person is not allowed to make two witters in the same night. So if that person made his Isha Salah, just to, to, to repeat and to conclude, if the person has made his Isha Salah and then immediately after that he made his witter, Thinking that he won't stand up for the hajjud but then in the event of the night he actually stands up, then he is allowed to make the hajjud Salah, but he is not allowed to repeat the Witr because the Witr has already been done; uh, it's already been taken care of. He will just make his tahajjud Salah and then wait for the Adhan for Fajr in order to make his Fajr Salah.
1: as Kathir Sheikh. Let's uh, take a short break, and we'll be back with more of your questions just after this. My radio station, your radio station, our radio station. The voice of the Cape. As-salamu wa rahmatullahi wa Very good evening to you. Welcome back to Question and Answer Forum. Stay with us right up, right up until seven o'clock inshallah, where we take your SMS questions and answer them by uh, Sheikh Ibrahim was with a detailed answer alhamdulillah with some proofs and a great explanation as well. Please note that if you do you're still not sure about this, um, do um, consult your local Imam or send the question through once again and um Sheikh is also available. You can call him and we'll leave his Details At reception Alhamdulillah Shukran To uh, Sheikh For uh, offering that as well So Assalamualaikum, Sheikh My husband has An illegitimate child She is getting married And can he Be her wakil Also would um, Also would like to know If um, I should attend This wedding As her biological mother And sisters are all murtat. And she said that She is not worried Who thinks what Do you think I should attend this wedding. I am still very, very, very much from the old school Chukran.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what it means to say We're from the old school or the new <laughs> school But anyway um, There's two issues The issue of being a wakil um, For a an illegitimate child And the quick answer is no The father does not act as the wakil Unless he is appointed by uh, This uh, girl herself So she obviously has to appoint someone To marry her mm-hmm. So in other words He cannot enforce his uh, guardianship over her But if she appoints him from her own self Then she can do that She can appoint him to marry her on that day In other words she, she will then give the authorization Because normally the father automatically Has that authorization He mm. okay, doesn't need the approval or the authorization of, of, of his daughter In this case she can give over that authorization To uh, this person Who is the illegitimate father And he can then obviously handle the marriage if, if that is the case So that is the first point And the second point with regards to the marriage Now having uh, Or is taking place where people that are involved With the marriage have Become mortad and stuff like that As a general principle we obviously try Not to condone this kind of thing We try not to um, show uh, that we are happy with someone that has left the deen and stuff like that. And we try to encourage and make da'wah to the best of our ability and we try to speak to them. We try to uh, highlight, you know, if there are problematic issues with uh, people that have become murtab, we try our best. And if we cannot, we try to get someone that can, you know, speak to them and so on. And so I think in this case, I mean, it's a wedding and so on. And if it is that they are already living this lifestyle and you know that they, you know, are far gone uh, in terms of you speaking to them and all of that then most probably it will be best uh, for you not to entertain it too much you know uh, unless of course you f- you feel that there is a way in which you can speak to them and once again you know uh, make a calling and, and tell them and uh, you know uh, uh, what is the better way to do things and stuff like that but i would not encourage uh, this kind of thing just to go to the wedding if those issues are around Because we we cannot send out signals, you know, that it is kind of acceptable to do these things. One must be careful of not condoning these kinds of things and sending out the wrong signals. But if it is in the form of da'wah and we're trying to engage them and stuff like that, then from that angle, obviously, it it would be suitable and okay to do it.
1: Shukran Sheikh. Um, This question uh, might sound a little bit confusing because I don't know where it all fits in, but let's, let's go for it. How do you come with the following? I think, sister, how do you deal with the following? Your wife was convicted by someone they assume is a Sheikh that she is Islamically free from me. After not sleeping with me for more than three months, after she moved out seven days later, then that same man marries her. There was no talaq or fasakh. Shukran.
0: Yeah, it would appear that uh, there's an issue here of uh, a husband and wife that are no longer together. And obviously the wife uh, has gotten married a second time. And she actually got married with a person who claimed that the marriage is over due to some issues within the Islamic law. And here, um, the the reason that was given is since she didn't sleep with her husband for three months. Then it means automatically, this is what I understand, automatically the marriage is annulled. Okay, you know and and it seems that when this woman then moved out, mm. she immediately married the person who gave them the advice in the first place. Being a sheikh or imam, whatever he is.
1: And there was no talaq. And there was no
0: talaq and no fasakh. And of course, to start from that point, I mean, if there was no talaq and no fasakh and no procedure of actually annulling the marriage, then the first thing I I can say is that you are still married. I mean, your marriage didn't go anywhere. You are still married. Um, So the fact that you slept away from each other for three months or Mm -hmm. even six months or even a year for that matter, that in itself does not constitute separation.
1: No, because we dealt with the question earlier about this wife saying her husband moved out of the room for two years. Yes, yes, yeah.
0: absolutely. That does not constitute separation or annulment okay. of marriage. There must be a procedure that is followed, and the procedure is one of two. It's either from the husband's side where he issues a talaq, mm. or it comes from the side where the woman applies for a fasakh, in which case a fasakh must first be granted by a judicial body mm. that do, does the investigation and all that, and she must have strong grounds, there must be reason. And they will call in the parties, and they will find out what the reasons are, and so on and so forth. So if that procedure is not followed, then I don't see how um, the marriage can be sort of annulled. Mm. So they are still technically married. And if they are technically married, then it means that this woman that moved out and married the so-called imam that had given them the wrong information or the so-called sheikh, then it means that that marriage to that man is also null and void. Because a woman cannot get married to another man while she still married. Okay, and what about the عِدَّة? I mean, nothing is mentioned about even if she was now marriage was annulled. He says after seven days. I mean, where's the Idda? She obviously has to go into a waiting period before any marriage can take place. So it seems to be a whole a sort of uh, jumbled up thing mm. here. And uh, I feel sorry for her for for mm. the man here at least because I mean it's, it's obviously very confusing for him how a learned, so-called learned person could have done this. Mm. And uh, yeah, we we do from time. To time, hear some of these weird things happening in our community where even some of the Imams and the Sheikhs, you know, um, that have no sort of uh, consciousness of Allah really, uh, where they take things into their own hands and you know get involved personally with people and stuff. We've heard this uh, on some occasions, and it's very sad where a person who's supposed to offer true guidance, Mm. who's supposed to offer help, in fact, instead of helping, he helps himself. I mean, that is bad That is very bad I mean, it shouldn't be And it's worse if it comes from somebody that is supposedly knowledgeable mm. so, so, yeah, I think what this man should do is He should uh, go to one of the bodies A judicial body And actually state his case there and they must open a file and obviously then uh, call the wife in and explain to her first of all that you, your marriage with your husband is still intact. If there was no talaq, no divorce, nothing, no separation, you are still married to him. And because you are married to him, it's haram for you to live with another man. I mean, you can't be married to another man while you are still married with him. And then obviously from there take it whether he wants to divorce her or they want to go for a fasakh. Mm. And then if that happens she will still have to go into Idda first. And once the Idda is over then mm. only she can decide in wanting to get married to someone else. I mean there's uh, lots of issues that may complicate things here. I mean what if she becomes pregnant now and stuff within this period. Whose child is it then? I mean okay it's uh, three months they went together like. Mm. But still I mean there's it, still it's some out kind out. of confusion. There's still some, some uh, things there that must be sorted out. So this is what we would say to this uh, person that he should immediately, shouldn't wait, go immediately to a place whereby you can get someone to come and speak to the woman and call both of you in and explain to you the repercussions of what has happened and uh, what what would be possibly the best way forward to, to resolve this issue.
1: Actually, for me, there comes up so many other questions with regards to you know what actually happens um, in this case with the, that couple that is now so-called demarried um, with a wife and and I think everybody involved um, the ignorance of not knowing what had happened um, and what falls onto them now even after correcting it. So we know the, the, all the punishment that goes with doing something wrong. Would that still fall under you know, people like this that claims that they did not know? Just a question for me.
0: Yeah, you know, it's it's, it's, very, it's very sort of strange to to imagine that these basic things will not be known. I mean, yeah. how can you just get married to someone? Okay. You didn't go on the you didn't. I mean, that, that is something which is, I think, it should be common knowledge amongst mm. people, you know. And I don't think ignorance will, will, will save the person. Surpass the No, I don't think at all, because okay. these are things that are supposed to be second nature, mm. you know. It's not, uh, uh, you don't need to be a, a scholar of Islam to know that okay. a human is not allowed to just get married to someone. Mm. I mean, there's some relationship and there's some procedure that must be followed and stuff like that. But I think what could have happened here is, and it's a very sad thing that could have happened that that the so-called sheikh or imam had obviously used his influence, you know, maybe as a learned person. And people are gullible, unfortunately, because they they don't have knowledge by themselves, or mm. they don't go classes, or they don't equip themselves. Mm. So they may be gullible, you know, to these kind of things. So what could have happened is, if it is the way that the person is explaining here, maybe the sheikh uh, kind of just used his influence, you know, mm. and use the fact that he knows better than them. So they must just sort of keep, the woman must just keep quiet and follow what he says. Which okay. is not necessarily the right thing But the point is She should have by herself also made the research Get a second yes. opinion Go to another imam Or she says, is this right what I'm doing? I mean, yes. surely you can't be married with someone And then seven days later marry someone else I mean, that just doesn't gel, you know It just doesn't make sense I
1: think even in non-Muslims They know that <laughs> Yeah, that, you know, of course There's <laughs> issues do, yeah.
0: procedures You don't just jump from one to the other I mean, it doesn't work like that
1: Shukran so much, and We hope all those involved are properly guided and finds the solutions and the the steps as Sheikh has mentioned does um, you know get followed through inshallah by that um, questioning next up is salam to all in the studio will the husband be held acceptable for not guiding his wife who embraced Islam I'm sure it's embraced
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think it's accountable. I mean, will he be held accountable uh, in terms of uh, his responsibility towards his wife that has embraced Islam? Uh, And yeah, uh, of course, yes, he has to play a role. Uh, If a person gets married to a revert, then you have to play a role in guiding, Mm -hmm. in helping, in assisting. It's not a matter of just getting married to that person, Mm. and now the person embraced Islam, so that's it. No, that is is just the start. The fact that you took somebody under your wing who Mm. needs that training and needs that guidance... From somebody who is more experienced Then yes, it obviously becomes your responsibility And you will be held accountable for it If you neglect it And Allah says in the Quran, for example In Surah Al-Tahreem O you who believe, save yourselves and your families From the fire of hell you need to save yourself and your family You, you play a role as the, the head of the household mm-hmm. You need to obviously ensure That there are certain things in place within your home Whereby people are being guided and trained And people are being taught etc Even your children and all of that They all fall under the same ambit of this mm-hmm. uh, There is also an interesting hadith Where the Prophet ﷺ had actually uh, Spoken very strongly Out against people Who neglect their duties towards People that need guidance in a general sense okay. okay. And uh, what, I, what I've seen from this hadith, which I will just give you a brief Summary of now, mm. is that uh, There were people that had embraced Islam That were Muslim already, and then there were other people Who were new reverts Or mm. their neighbours that did not know as much as they did mm. And the Prophet Actually made a speech one day And this hadith is in, recorded in some of the books of hadith uh, like, the book of, um, Ibn and, uh, like the book of Ibn Nusakhan And like the book of Ibn Raha'wi And so on, in some of the, our sources it is mentioned that the prophet actually what he did was he made a khutbah mm-hmm. and he used very stern words when he said what is wrong with certain people who don't, who don't take out the time to teach their neighbors
1: mm-hmm.
0: right and then he also said and what is wrong with those people the neighbors who do not take out the time to learn from their neighbors who know mm-hmm. Okay, And the Prophet ﷺ appeared to be furious when he was speaking about this And appeared to be very sort of stern And he actually said if you don't do this If you don't help each other If you don't teach each other If you don't uh, guide each other Then I will invoke Allah to bring a punishment upon you Upon you, Meaning it becomes if a person is a rever to Islam And this is something in a general sense Which I also need to mention That we are very often very excited and very happy And uh, elated when we hear that uh, uh, someone Breast Islam, you know, mm. something very nice that gives you a nice feeling that, Alhamdulillah, this man or person was guided to what we deem to be the truth. But the problem is, we are excited at that moment, but what is the follow up measures to that? I mean, what support do we give to that person? How do we teach that person? How do we help the person along? Because many times these people get excommunicated. They get obviously uh, ill-treated by their previous uh, associates and friends Mm. and family. What do we as a Muslim community put in place to actually assist them? Alhamdulillah, there are some organizations like Discover Islam and others that have put in place certain programs Mm. whereby we are uh, giving that support. But what I'm saying is we need to play a very active role in making sure that those people who come into the deen are sort of ushered into the deen with knowledge and are trained and are given the guidance and support from all different angles and on all different levels. And it becomes even more so important if it is a husband and wife. Hmm. Because now they will be living together. They will, inshallah, be starting a family. So you want to obviously ensure that the foundations upon which you are going to build your marriage is going to be one that is solid and that is Based on moral values that Islam mm-hmm. encourages you to do And your devotion to Allah is going to be very important To make a successful marriage and so on So yes, coming back to the original question It is the husband's duty to guide his wife If the wife had uh, reverted to Islam And he must play that active role uh, Or else if he doesn't He will uh, be held, re- held responsible And or all the repercussions that follow Will be uh, in accordance to what he did or what he didn't do and sadly to say you do find sometimes people marry reverts and you find they don't play that role, Hmm. you find that they neglect them in fact sometimes it's strange, those reverts appear then to be even more inclined than the original Muslims towards the deen and wanting to improve themselves and stuff like that and that shouldn't be I mean we should be role models and good uh, uh, you know help and assistance to others
1: Shukran I'm divorced for 24 years, make my tahajjud salah, make all zikrs and nothing goes right for me Please tell me what else i must do Shaykh.
0: yeah shame it's a it's 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 a difficult situation if a person is in a particular dilemma and um Of course, I mean, what we need to say here is that Allah Ta'ala tests all of us in all different kinds of ways. Mm. I mean, you are tested in a certain way now, but uh, other people are tested in other ways. And very often what you should do is, in order to just realize what you have, Mm. sometimes you need to make a comparison with others, you know, and see those who are worse off than you. Then you will see, I mean, alhamdulillah, the fact that you make tahajjud, (laughs) for me already this shows how much Allah Ta'ala is taking care of you. Let alone all the other things. You know, how many people have never made ta'ajud in their lives? How many people don't even make salah in their lives? Never mind tahajud. So the fact that Allah has guided you to make ta'ajud for me, that already shows that how much ni'mah and grace Allah has given you. Okay? So try to obviously be thankful and know that Allah is going to test you and test us all the times with various different things. And uh, there's of course a hadith that says, that if you look at the life of the anbiya and the prophets, they are the ones that have been tested the most. Mm. And yet they are the most pious and the closest to Allah. Mm. You know? So actually mm. consider yourself to be in their path. Most man. loved, yeah. In their path. Mm. In fact, mo- most love is a good way, a way mm. to, uh, to, to explain it. Because the Prophet Sallallahu actually said, you know, أَشَدُّ nasi bala an al anbiya, thumma الْأَمْثَلِ thumma al He says in this hadith that the person that are tested the most are the prophets. Mm. Then after them, the pious. Then after them, those who are closest to the pious. So which means if you are being tested a lot... And you have patience mm. and you try to deal with it in a way that satisfies Allah Ta'ala and you try to sort of uh, accept the decree of Allah Ta'ala, then Allah, is uh, the Prophet is saying here that you are amongst the pious that are very close to the Prophets. Mm. So count yourself lucky, you know, that at least, I mean, I, I'm very happy to hear that you are doing your tahajjud, that you're doing everything you can. That in itself shows to me that Allah Ta'ala is taking care of you. is mm. giving you what other people are perhaps yearning to have mm. or longing to have or don't even know what it is to have. And Allah is giving you that. And uh, just to give a quick, uh, uh, you know, anecdote, if, if you may, of uh, Nabi Ayub uh, And we oh, know yes, Nabi Ayub yeah. was also afflicted with, you know, disease and illness and so on. For a very long time, and he suffered a lot, you know. And his wife one day, um, now now I'm I'm just coming back to the fact that she says for 24 years, it seems like for 24 years she didn't find someone Mm. or she didn't remarry or whatever the case may be. Um, Now, Nabi Ayyub Mm. had become so bad that his wife said to him one day, Why didn't you just make dua to Allah Ta'ala? I mean, you were a prophet. Surely, if you make dua to him, he will remove this difficulty easily. When you are a pious man, you know, why don't you use this uh, influence and make dua to Allah Ta'ala? You know what he said to her? He actually said, and this is mentioned in the books of Tafsir, he actually said to his wife, don't you see that Allah Ta'ala had given me good health for 70 years? For 70 years everything was okay. It's only after 70 years that Allah is testing me. (sighs)
1: So
0: he said, would it be anything uh, less than, you know, uh, not showing good respect to Allah? If I don't have patience at this
1: moment
0: Hmm. Obviously I need to have patience I mean if Allah has tested me for a couple of years now I shouldn't look at a couple of years now I should look at the 70 years of good health that Allah has given me you know, And he was telling this is, And obviously he's a nabi, he's a prophet And he knows the deeper meanings of these things And that is why he was able to Obviously engage his wife in this way And uh, what it means is that If Allah Ta'ala has put something in our way That is a bit of an obstacle hmm. Don't only focus on the obstacle Look at all the other things which Allah has given you You are alive, you are breathing, you are eating You are drinking, You have a roof over your head You are making salah You are at least not somebody that is a drunkard Or somebody that is abusing others Or somebody hmm. that is taking drugs Allah has kept you away of so many other the bad things, man. So, what we want to encourage the system to do is keep on doing those good things. Mm. Have patience, make correctly, continue to make du'a, and inshallah, there will come a time where Allah Taala will just open the gates for you, and He will give you in a way that you can never imagine. Mm. You know, yeah, in a way that you would never have thought would have happened. Allah will give you, but He wants to see that you are persistent and that you are committed mm. in what in the in the path that you are following. And I, I make du'a that Allah Taala keep you steadfast and keep you on this good journey that you mm. set for yourself of appealing to him and making tahajjud and mm-hmm. making dua inshallah there is light at the end of the tunnel for anyone who follows this particular path inshallah
1: it does sound rather you know bleak when they when they put it that way but alhamdulillah sheik you've made the, the tunnel really seem brightened and for me also what comes out is is, is this, this questionnaire should be actually doing exactly what they are doing just continue doing what they are doing because what they're Absolutely. doing is right. because he asked what else can I do what yes. more can I do Absolutely. but what they're doing is is exactly what they should be doing so alhamdulillah like you said he could have uh, the things that's all gone. wrong could have caused him maybe to go to drugs or you know go to wrong things but instead he kept kept going on the right path alhamdulillah for that question i think it's it's you know many questions that does come in also is a learning curve for all of us as well and to the listeners inshallah and hopefully it comes across in that way so stay with us in this question answer forum as we take a short break and we'll be back with you just after this my radio station your radio station our radio station the Voice of the Cape. Assalamu Alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome back to this edition of question and answer forum and inshallah we make to Allah that the Almighty Allah guides us through all of the lessons that is learnt by other co- um, other callers p- uh, posing the questions inshallah. I'm Khawa Salman and with me once again is Sheikh Ibrahim was answering your questions. Next question is Assalamu alaikum Sheikh. If you go to Makkah first in Ramadan inshallah, when you leave for Medina, you have to make wida. And if you come in again for Umrah do you make Do you have to make Widah again?
0: Yeah Bismillah ar rahim To tawaf al It's basically A farewell tawaf That you offer uh, To the Around the Kaaba For sort of Leaving uh, the Holy Lands And yes the, the scholars state That each time You take a journey That is going to be Further than the journey That allows you Or permits you To do the joining Of prayers mm-hmm. Which is about 80 kilometers Then yes You should make A tawaf In terms of uh, bidding farewell To, to the Baitullah Okay, so there is difference of opinion amongst the scholars whether this act is actually obligatory or whether it actually is just a voluntary act. Okay, And this difference of opinion The Shafi'i viewpoint is that it is obligatory You have to make uh, Wida'a Before you leave the Holy Land uh, And in this case obviously you are going to leave uh, For a distance more than 81 kilometers And because it's, it's a Great distance between Makkah and Medina You don't even know whether you'll be coming back to Makkah mm-hmm. I mean, You can't guarantee that So it is uh, obviously required from you When you leave Makkah that you make Tawaf al-Wida'a And here it's obviously Tawaf al-Wida'a It's basically the last Tawaf that you make mm-hmm. So as you're making your Sunnah Tawafs just make sure that the last tawaf that you make is close to the time that you're going to leave and you make niyah that is tawaf al wida when tawaf al wida is no special procedure over and beyond, mm. just making your tawaf around the Kaaba, mm. and of course people that go these times uh, when they go for Umrah, they make tawaf a lot, every day they make tawaf, so all that you do is the, the tawaf that is closest to your journey to Medina, mm. uh, you make uh, niyah that, that will be your tawaf al wida mm. because you don't know whether you'll be coming back or not then you go to Medina tul Munawwara and inshallah, when you come back to Makkah, you will do Umrah again, you will enter with Umrah, and you will do all those procedures again. And then when you leave now from Makkah to go back home, then you will do another tawaf obviously, because now you again going to travel away from the the Baytullah for more than 80 kilometers. And this is something which obviously, like I said, it's a gesture of bidding farewell to the house of Allah Mm -hmm. as a final sort of greeting. And it's part of the adab of leaving. And of course, there are certain people that are excused, like a woman who has a menstruation for example, she will be excused. There's no problem. She can leave without having to worry because she obviously will not be making tawaf uh, in that state. So she can basically just make dua to Allah at that point to to sort of accept from her and to bring her back and all of that. And uh, uh, yeah, that would be the case here uh, It would be required to make a Tawaf al-vida. And like I said, Tawaf wida Is no special procedure, it's just the normal Tawaf around the Ka'ata, mm-hmm. with a special Niyah, that's it. the, the, the Niyah is Basically what is special, and that Niyah is You are making a final Tawaf, and of course Just as an added point, once You've made your, your Tawaful al-Wida You should not try to delay too much Within the, the area of Makkah You should try to leave as quickly as possible In other words, you must not stay a long Period in Makkah after you've made your tawaf will be there. Your greeting should be like the last thing that you do, and then you should leave wherever you are heading to, inshallah.
1: Okay. Salam, what if I overslept and did not do my wetter, um the night before? Shukran, this is a very good program. I, I think this also comes from a question, SMS that was maybe um, sent through at the time we answered a question on wetted. So, inshallah, Shia.
0: Yeah, just as a principle, the salah of Witr is a voluntary salah. It is not a compulsory salah, um, and that means that uh, should you even leave it out intentionally, then there is no uh, issue with that. Okay, although it's a very strongly recommended sunnah, what we call a sunnah muakkada, it's something which the Prophet ﷺ hardly missed. I mean, mm. he never missed salatul Witr really because it's something that he was very particular on um, and there are some of the sahaba that said you know the prophet advised me never to leave of three certain things And amongst these things is Salatul Duha, Uh, Amongst these things is Salatul Witr. Amongst these things is to fast at least three days of every month. So the Prophet had encouraged these things. So just as a matter of principle, Salatul Witr is not compulsory, but it is voluntary. So should you leave it out intentionally, it will be fine. You don't have to make it up. There's no sin involved. But you've just missed the reward for it. That's all that it is. Uh, So if you've overslept um, uh, for Fajr, and you stood up after the sun has come up, or you stood up a long time after the Adhan of Fajr then obviously what it means is that the time of Witter has ended. Uh-huh. Because the time of Witr is any time from after the time that you perform Isha until the Adhan of Fajr. So let's say you perform Isha in the beginning of its time, then you can perform Witter immediately after that. Uh-huh. Or let's say you make Isha in the middle of the night. Then you can perform witr from that time onwards until Fajr. In other words, you cannot make witr before you've made your Fart Salah mm-hmm. of Isha. Uh, so it definitely expires at the time of Fajr and you need not make it up because the time has, has, has lapsed. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to worry about it. And of course, just as an added uh, piece of information in terms of the rakaat that you make for witter because just as a matter of interest, let's say a person wakes up uh, very late um, in the sense that it's almost time for Fajr. But he forgot He didn't make witr, Okay mm. And there's just enough About enough for him To make one raka'ah He knows the adhan Is going to go off mm. after that. Then it is okay For him to make one raka'ah Because okay. the least amount Of witer is one raka'ah mm. Okay And the most amount Of witer is eleven So you can do mm. From one to eleven Of course the usual What people normally do Is three mm. Okay, and That is the normal one But if you want to add another 2 and make it 5 That's okay, if you want to make it 7, that's okay 9, okay. that's okay, up until 11 The maximum is 11 And the minimal is 1 So if let's say you only have time for that 1 You know the Adhan is going any minute mm. Then you are actually allowed just to make the 1 raka of witr, That will be acceptable as a witr salah for that particular night
1: Shikran Shekhan, with that let's uh, pay the bills And we'll come back with more of your questions on 47913 Live from Cape Town This is the Voice of the Cape The Voice of the K Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Very good evening. Welcome back. We're in our last segment of uh, this uh, question and answer forum. We gladly accept your SMSs on four seven nine one three. And Alhamdulillah, Sheikh will give a good um, explanation on your questions. You may also Facebook ask your questions on the Voice of the Cape Facebook page and pose it. And Inshallah, we will, we will we might not deal with them right now, but we will deal them deal with them in the program to follow. These are two separate questions, but it kind of deals in the same. subject. Subject Inshallah, Shaykh, um, the next one dealing with Eidda. And um, can a couple remarry each other in the Eidda period of a Fasakh? Mm. And the next question also kind of applies to a Fasakh, is if a woman applies for a Fasakh in her marriage, would her Eidda period start? When? When? So, we, sorry, when would okay. her Eidda period start? So it's about Fasakh. And Aida, both uh, consecutive questions, are, inshallah, separate but on the same topic, inshallah.
0: Yeah. Uh, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. With regards to the, the first question, which is the idda that uh, the woman is, is experiencing now after the fasakh. First of all, the difference between a fasakh and a talaq, as we know, is that a talaq is something that the husband issues, it's uh, a talaq is given from the husband's side. And the woman goes immediately, the, the wife goes into Iddah immediately. And there's, of course, three trial periods or three chances for them to either to reconcile or not to reconcile. Okay? Whereas Fasakh, on the other hand, is not really uh, done by any of the parties as such, but it is a judicial decree. That is given by a judiciary or a judicial body uh, uh, on account of perhaps a uh, uh, an application that came from the side of of the wife um, to to be separated. Okay. Now, in the uh, event where there is a talaq or a normal divorce, and of course during that idda period, the couple can reconcile without having to remarry. Okay. They can get back together. Without having to remarry, if it was a talat that was issued, okay. On the other hand, if it was a fasakh and since a fasakh is actually a judicial decree that was given, it cannot just be retracted like that, or you cannot just uh, re, uh, you, you cannot just get back together as you would be able to if it was a talat. But the question actually asks now, can you get married if it is after a Fasakh whilst in the Idda? And the answer is yes, you can remarry each other while you are in the Idda or even after the Idda for that matter. Okay? Okay. Because a Fasakh means that the marriage has been annulled by a judicial uh, decree and the, woman, the, the wife goes into Idda and the difference between the, the Fasakh and the Talaq would be the husband does not have that ability just to reconcile with his wife without remarrying. Uh-huh. That's the major difference okay? With well, a scenario of Talaq, he can reconcile and both of them can decide Let's give it another chance So they go back together without having to do any procedures But when it is a fasakh Immediately, so let's say Let's just make it the worst case scenario They got the fasakh today And tomorrow they feel they want to get back together What should they do? They should remarry uh-huh. Okay, There's no other way for them to get back together Except to uh, repeat the whole process of nikah with all its integrals With the same way that it took place the first time So a new dowry, a new contract, everything must be put in place uh, If they are going to remarry uh, Even if it is during the iddah As regards to the second question So if this decree has now been given okay, The, the fasakh has been given okay, The decree of annulment When does the iddah actually start? It starts from the time when the decree is final from the time that the judiciary has declared the marriage to be annulled, from that point onwards, the edda the, the will start immediately. Okay? So a woman, uh, a wife, of course, in that marriage, she must ascertain uh, exactly when it uh, took place. So even if it took place without a knowledge hmm. uh, or at the time she did not know. That does not impact on the fact that it started at that time. Okay? So let's say if you only got uh, the letter uh, from the judiciary, let's say, two weeks later, or three weeks later, for some reason, it was delayed in the post. Okay? To say that your, you know, your fasakh went through on that date, for example. Mm-hmm. Then it means on that particular date when, it, when the fasakh was concluded, your idda would have started there already, even if you only received the letter much later. Okay. okay. And that is with regards to the starting period of the iddah for this woman who has been uh, whose, whose marriage has been annulled oh. through a fasakh. Okay, shukran Sheikh.
1: Assalamu alaikum Imam and Sheikh. How can we as Muslim young women beautify ourselves? How did the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wives beautify themselves? Shukran.
0: Yeah, well the quick answer for me is they beautified themselves within before they beautified themselves from the outside. Okay. They beautified their hearts and their character, and they mm-hmm. had the most beautiful of character with each other, beautiful ways of speaking, beautiful ways of interacting. And this is evident from uh, Sayyidatina Aisha and Sayyidatina Fatima and the wives of the Prophet Sallam and his daughters. They had the most beautiful character. And of course, that uh, is not something that is uh, far-fetched because they, you know, got this from the best of Allah's creation. They got this directly from the Prophet ﷺ. He was their teacher He was their guide He was the one that obviously taught them all these beautiful things So uh, I want to say If you want to beautify yourself Start from within Before you are worried about the outside mm. Okay. With regards to the outside If you wanted to beautify yourself uh, Of course there are certain parameters In which you should operate uh, You should obviously be clothed always suitably And properly and modestly Okay, As a Muslimah as a Muslim female uh, And of course the Prophet Sallallahu He indicated on certain occasions If the clothing was unsuitable The Prophet Sallallahu used to indicate To the Sahabiyat That they should try to uh, better or improve their type of clothing that they wear One such occasion Asma the daughter of Sayyidina Abu Bakr Radhiallahu An Appeared in front of the Prophet Sallallahu And the Prophet Sallallahu looked at her But she was a bit not suitably dressed Clothing was slightly skimpy and it was perhaps see-through to some extent. And the Prophet ﷺ said to her that a human who is baligh or mukallaf should not be uncovering her body except this and this. He pointed to the face and to the hands. Okay, so the issue of modesty is very important. The issue of uh, uh, you know hijab, wearing a hijab the way that was prescribed to us by the Quran and by the Prophet And then if you wanted to, I mean, I know people today they've got various ways of doing the hijab. They've got various ways of wearing their thobes and stuff like that. If you wanted to beautify you yourself in that manner, there's nothing that stops you. Uh, in fact, I've read some questions in, in in the book of Fiqh, which is for me very interesting. I've never seen it, but it's very interesting uh, that the issue. Of gold and silver, now we know gold and silver is obviously allowed for women, right, without any restriction, so they can wear jewelry, etc so in the uh, the books of fiqh the scholars actually say, should the woman take some gold and silver and actually put it on her clothing and decorate her clothing with it and all of that, it would be halal, totally permissible because that is something which has been made uh, ja isn't permissible for her, okay, so uh, I think modesty is the key. Right? Moderation is the other key And like I said at the beginning Real beauty comes from within And not really from, from the outside okay? And that is uh, all that I want to comment on This particular question
1: Shukran Sheikh I'm, I'm aching to ask another question Unfortunately our time has run up We have literally 30 seconds And I don't think we're going to do justice To any of the other SMS's So please bear with us um, To our listeners We apologize We're not able to deal with your questions right now But inshallah we will do them in the next show So jazakallah khair to you for staying tuned And we hope inshallah um, Sheikh was able to help and guide you Through some of your questions And jazakallah khair to, to um, Sheikh Ibrahim was as well for availing himself uh, To answer your question, Sheikh all the best And salaam our travel, inshallah.
0: Jazakumullah, khair to you also, Sister Hawa, and to all our listeners. Assalamu alaikum, wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.
1: Please keep those SMSs coming and we will do justice to them as we receive it, inshallah, on 47913. From myself, Khawassan, we enjoy the rest of your evening and have a great weekend. Wassalamualaikum warahmatullahi wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, and a very good day to you.